And welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast, your chance to get the spotlight on some great samples of podcasts that are happening at Podcast Central at EWTNRadio.net, and also to get some encouragement in your walk with God and your Catholic faith. I'm Ace McCabe, your host, and this week we're jumping right into the Catholic conversation. This being Holy Week, couldn't ask for a better way to really dive into Scripture and use it as a reflection and framework for how to meditate better on Jesus. Eric Sammons joins Stephen Bucky in the Catholic Conversation on this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. Greetings in Christ, everybody, and welcome to the Catholic Conversation. I am Steve Green, Director of Kino Catechetical Institute at the Diocese of Phoenix, and I am the Cradle Catholic. And I'm Becky Green. I'm the Director of the Green Homeschooling Institute and everything else in our lives. I'm the convert to the faith. How's your direction of everything else in our lives going, honey? I am... I thought I would just ask randomly for no reason, specifically uh, here at the beginning of our show. So, well, first of all, this morning I was having one of my moments. I was lying there. Steve had gotten back from the bed, and I still hadn't gotten my lazy butt out. Have you ever, like, have you ever, dear listener, have you ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? <laughs> Remember Cameron? Yes. Remember Cameron when, when Ferris first calls him and he's in the dark? <laughs> In bed, just hopeless, and there's no reason to go. And Ferris has to kind of like rouse him from his stupor because he needs Cameron's car. Because I don't have a car. I have to be envious envious of your... Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so... That yeah, so be- Becky was having a God lover, a little bit of a rough morning. And she's a mom. She has homeschools five kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's gonna be how things. Yeah, you're fa- you're faced with the day you're faced with, and you're just kind of. I've like, gone eh. to bed after midnight for like the I don't know how oh, many nights in a row, years, and decades. So, but there's just a lot on the plates, and I was just feeling that I was having that little pity party moment of I'm a failure and everything. Well, it just we you know get ourselves going and. You're getting some questions together for the show, and I'm getting breakfast and giving directions to all of the children, and um, get on the way here. And before we even got here, there's a phone call. Yeah, it's never a good sign. And the, that, a, fo- a phone call from the children who we left about oh, four minutes ago yeah. at that point. So this, the first one was Katiri, and <laughs> first she's she's yelling. As she gets on the phone. As, I don't know who she she's yelling at. That's just her go-to. She's just yelling at everyone. But then all of a sudden she stops and she's real remorseful. And I'm sorry, Bobby. I hit Avery. And I yelled at her too. She was calling to confess she to Becky. Conf- that she she couldn't get to confession in that moment. So I guess she's just going to call mom. Yeah. So we worked that out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know. Then we made our way here. I didn't notice that the phone, I must have subconsciously put it on do not disturb. I normally just have it on silent, but it was actually on the do not disturb um, setting, which means like nothing comes through. I can't even see it show up on the phone that there's a call. So then when I checked, uh, when we got off recording, I uh, I noticed that um, there was a call. You had been disturbed. There had been a call from an hour before. So I timed it. I was like, oh, no, that's, that's not the same one that I got in the car. So I just called. And uh, there are some there are some <laughs> children Think, who don't worry, dear listener. They, things are going things are great fine. at the greenhouse. No one's hurt or Everything anything. Everything is awesome. Everything but is awesome. There might have been a couple people in tears, and there was clearly. I'm trying to direct Kateri to go get a granola bar because I just need to talk to somebody mm-hmm. who's sane. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have food in their stomach, oh, hypoglycemia, dear listener, it is a thing. Just in get the, green the granola family. bar. 
before we have this conversation. Yeah. yeah, The miracle of the banana needs to happen before we can speak like rational beings. So I do this thing where I have to leave them with some instructions of what to do when I'm gone. And let's be honest, I don't expect any of it to be done. You may say she's a dreamer. (laughs) That's right. I am a dreamer. And I have this little bit of hope that like somebody's going to come through with something and I'm just going to just pour a bunch of praise on them and just uh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. A lot of gratitude and everything. But I'm really going into it with this. No one's going to do anything I told them to do. And uh, they're going to get distracted or there's going to be a fight or a number of different options. Mm -hmm. So the girls actually were putting laundry away and attempting to clean their room. But the particulars about that. Ah, yes. Uh, do you put the calico critters you plan to play with in the clean room later away and then get them back out, or do you leave some of them out? These are some of life's, these are some of life's deepest questions. Do you clean up the room portion before you put the laundry away so you have a nice clean floor to lay out your clothes to fold them and separate mm. them? Yep. Or do you just get that laundry basket put away and out of the room before you finish cleaning it so that's not on the list? La- <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't know. This, I don't have the answers to these questions. I know we're concerned about world events, but there was sort of a World War Three thing going on. Yes. Right. The, the only there thing were that, calico critters. The only thing that didn't happen yet, I mean, who knows by the time we actually get home. Um, but the only thing that didn't happen yet is nobody has shot down like a spy balloon over our house. It's, uh, who knows? It, Katiri did uh, let go of her birthday balloon recently in a special, it was a special like balloon letting go ceremony that mm-hmm. she about five minutes later regretted. Uh, but they just sat and watched the smiley face balloon floating up, you know, into the sky. And then several minutes later, she was she was in tears because I didn't want to let it go and Avery forced me. Well, recently they just said that they thought they saw it like two weeks later, flying over our head, over our house. I'm like, that's not the same one. It's back, everybody. <laughs> but shoot it down because clearly it's some sort of a That was the only balloon of its kind that yes. you let go. So now that we've seen another one, it came back to say farewell. Uh, anyway. Good so, times. Yeah, yep. if you all were uh, having concerns <clears throat> about your life and thinking, you know, I just don't feel like I have it together. You All you got to do is look over at the greens. As we have often said, you know, every, every person, every family, every marriage has its charisms. Yep. One of mm-hmm. our primary charisms is making other families feel better about themselves. We are doing it really well. We should, if we were smarter than we are and we're not, which is part of the reason that our charism (laughs) is making other families feel better about themselves. If we were smarter than we are, we would have figured out a way to market this by now. I know. This would be like, this would be our retirement income. Yep. Would be people renting the greens so that they can be like, you know what? We're all right. We're We're doing okay. okay. We're doing all right. We're actually, I think we're going to make it because (laughs) sweet and merciful. (laughs) How how do those people <laughs> how have their heads not it's it's amazing. It's, yeah. So anyways, maybe, uh, who knows? Maybe maybe we can figure out a way to yeah, monetize our insanity. There's a yeah, there's an opportunity there, but we don't have time to get to it because we gotta fight over calico critters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh anyways, we do have a guest today. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Yes, we do. Eric Sammons is coming back. Eric Sammons. Eric, of course, is the editor in chief of Crisis Magazine Online. Um, He's written a bunch of he's written a bunch of good books. We really enjoyed. uh, We used he and his wife Suzanne uh, wrote a I forget the title of it, but it was basically sort of like um, a meditation on the Jesse tree. Uh, Yes, sacramental whatever. 
title you put that under. Sorry, my brain advent? just took a vacation. What you, wait, liturgy, yeah, advent. Wait. But like, what do you call that kind of a thing? It's oh, whatever. There's anyway, a name for it. The the Jesse Tree tradition. They wrote this really cool book that kind of details it out and gives a little daily reflection. Yep. So we we use that this Advent. It was wonderful. It was. Um, but today we're going to be talking to him about his new book, Who Do You Say I Am? Unlocking the 24 Titles Given to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. So we're going to do a deep dive into Jesus Christ and sacred scripture and the titles and their significance. Cool stuff from Eric Salmon. Stay right where you listener. And we, provided we don't get another phone call, we'll be right <laughs> back with Eric Salmons here on The Catholic Conversation. Today's episode of The Catholic Conversation is brought to you by the Crowning Glory Tea Room. Divine food, heavenly friendships. Welcome back to The Catholic Conversation. I am Steve Green, the Cradle Catholic, and my lovely wife, Becky, the convert. And we're thrilled to welcome back to the program the one and only Eric Sammons. Many of you will know him as editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine Online. Um, He's the author of a number of great books. We've had the privilege of chatting with him about a number of them. Today we're going to be talking about one of his latest, Who Do You Say I Am? Unlocking the 24 Titles Given to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Eric Sammons, welcome back to The Catholic Conversation. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate being here. So I'm going to, I'm going to begin with the obvious question uh, about the genesis of this particular project. This is, you know, it's funny. When, when, I, uh, when we first got the book and I was looking at the title, I was like, wow, he's got 24 titles in the Gospel. And I know Matthew, of course, um, is a Gospel that is is written specifically with the Jews in mind, and that Matthew is keen to sync up Christ with all the Old Testament prophecies. So, you know, you figure there's going to be a little bit of the Old Testament, you know, imagery and title. But 24, I was like, that's really, I had no idea. So thank you. I learned something before Just I even the opened title. the book. <laughs> so well done. But yeah, maybe give <laughs> us a little you. bit of a, what what uh, what inspired this project and, uh, and caused you to finally sit down and put... Well, I was going to say pen to paper, but I guess that's kind of an archaic image. Fingers to keyboard <laughs> and actually write, who do you say I am? Well, it happened when I, I invited a priest one time to my parish to give a retreat, uh, obviously along with my pastor. And he was a friend of mine, though. And he gave a, a talk while he was there on Lexio Divina, which is divine reading, the idea of spiritual reading when you read the Bible and you really contemplate what's being said there and you try to get something out of it for your own spiritual life, meditate upon it. And afterwards, though, I was just ta- chatting with him. I think we went out to dinner or something, and he said something to the effect of, I love talking about Alexio Divina, but Catholics just don't respond to it. They don't do it. <laughs> and he wasn't even trying to be mean or anything. He just said it's just really, he wants to continue talking about it, but it finds that a lot of people don't, like Catholics actually don't embrace it. And so that was kind of the beginning. The, at the time, I didn't think, oh, I'll write a book about that. No. I, I, but over time, I started, as I talked to other Catholics and was doing, trying to do Lexio Divina myself, I thought it would be nice to have a, a guide, so to speak, a book that would help people in the reading of the Bible. Because I find, I mean, I have a master's degree in theology. I, I used to be Protestant, so I read the Bible a ton. And, but I know it's very difficult to just pick up the Bible mm-hmm. And, and understand it, to get something out of it at times. I mean, there's certain passages where you're like, you know, okay, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. The ones that are up on the wall. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can get some of that. But there's a lot that you're just like, was I supposed to get something out of this? Yeah. I, if I, if so, I, I missed, missed it. It went right <laughs> over my head. And you read these, like, church fathers talk about, they, get, they find, like, 59 things in one verse or right. something like that. You're like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> So then it was a matter of, okay, I, and, I was all, and I was actually reading a church father, and it drives me crazy. I can't remember who, which father it was, 
but I just can't. Um, and it was a church father talking about the titles of Jesus, and he had a number of reflections on it. It's like, that would be a nice kind of structure mm-hmm. to help Catholics in Lexio Divina, because it is true there are countless things in every verse that we can learn from it, from, from the Gospels particularly, but from all the sacred scriptures. But this is one way. Let's look at the titles given to Jesus. And I picked the Gospel of Matthew for two reasons. The first is because, like you were saying, it, it, it's rich in this because it, it's one of the longer Gospels and it, it's rich in these different titles that connect to the Old Testament. Second reason, it was my favorite Gospel. So, <laughs> I just was like, well, I'll, I'll pick that one. <laughs> so, that's really the reason was, what my hope is, is that Catholics would pick up this book as a way to uh, meditate on the scriptures and give them some guidance so that they can then dive into it themselves, but maybe give them a little structure to do that. So when you were diving in yourself to, okay, I'm going to use the 24 uh, titles given to Jesus, that'll sort of be my structure to, to really dive in. I imagine for you, of course, examining your favorite gospel, but you, I'm sure, had these encounters with them that maybe you hadn't had in your previous experiences, as, as, as you point out in the introduction where you talk about scripture can become stale and ineffective. And we just, we lose sight of the transformative power of the mystery of scripture. And sometimes because it's can be confusing or you're trying to just, you know, kind of connect with one little bit and then you got to move on with your day. You know, what, what is the nugget there in that three line passage that I just am not, <laughs> I don't, I don't see the connection. I don't even understand why this is here. So how for you was this journey in, in kind of, you know, diving into those titles? What, what stood out to you? Yeah, so that's exactly right. What, what happens is, is that I find at least I have to change things up when I'm reading the Bible over usually about once a year, I have to really make a change in how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. One year I read the Bible all the way through. I did one of those Bible in a year programs mm-hmm. and that was very good because it gave me a good overview, really helped me to see the whole structure of, of salvation history. And that was very good. This year, actually, I'm reading literally one verse a day in the Gospel of John and in looking at commentaries like by St. Thomas Aquinas and others mm-hmm. about it. And so that's a different way to look at it. But what I, in this case, the idea of the titles came to me um, from reading the church father, whoever he was, mm-hmm. uh, who, who talked about it. And so then I literally just read through the Gospel of Matthew, and I just picked out titles. The first thing I did, I just, okay, anytime he was called anything, yes. write it down. And then and note where it was, because often he's called the same thing multiple times. And then I would just look at that one title every time he's called that, and just focus on that and meditate upon that. And that was great for me because I thought, this is a way I've never looked at before. Yes. And so all of a sudden, I started getting things in, in, in passages that I had not seen before. And that's, that's the purpose of the book, is to hopefully help people. They will see things in a way they hadn't seen them before. And so this is just one thing. So my hope would be maybe if somebody got this book, they would go through this maybe one, one chapter a day, meditate on the scriptures while through it. And then after that's done, they, they find some other way, because really it's a lifelong pursuit mm-hmm. of really understanding the scriptures. And I, I mean, maybe somebody else could do the same thing every day. Like, I know a lot of people, they might, uh, the idea of you take the gospel reading for the, the mass of the day, and that's a good plan. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then eventually I found that I, I have to do something a little different. And I think that's okay, just the way we're made, our brains are, 
at least me, get a little less focused if you're just doing the same thing all the time. So this is just one way that I'm hoping will help a lot of people. I think that's true of just, you know, you hear that in the exercise world that you have right. to change up your exercise routines to make sure that the, the muscles are being challenged and that you're using different parts in different ways. And I think that analogy, it's going to cross over into our, the spiritual life as well. If we're not flexing our spiritual muscles in different ways and approaching it in a, in a different way, um, you know, we're not going to grow. We're not going to build. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. As I was kind of looking through this one, the, I, the, there's, first of all, I, I love the way you've got it set up. And, and, and I think what you just said is perfect. That, that's exactly, this is, you're just offering in this book, another way for someone to begin or develop or deepen a relationship with Christ in the word, in scripture, which of course, you know, St. Jerome uh, reminds us that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ, and so this is not, not an ignorance we want to fall prey to as Catholics. But the, the thing that, that struck me, of course, is that each of the titles for Christ, of course, are an extension of this profoundly mysterious and beautiful and, and almost kind of like terrifying reality that God has given us his name. Mm. He has actually given us that kind of intimate access to himself, so even all the way back to Moses and the burning bush, I am who am, this revelation of God's name. And of course, as we know, revelation is always an invitation to deeper relationship with him. And so all of these titles are really an extension of that offering of God, of himself and relationship with himself to us. And each of them is kind of like this particular entry point into a deeper relationship, into a deeper understanding, into greater intimacy through the, the medium of scripture. I just think that that's all, um, that's all beautiful. In terms of like, as again, as you, were, as you were writing the book and just sort of in your own prayer and reflection, what were a couple of the, the particular titles that you came across that just really struck you, even if they'd been ones that you were familiar with already, but maybe they just kind of took on like a greater depth and clarity or a greater significance, or maybe ones that have, you know, I mean, you've read them before, but had never actually paused or pumped the brakes on them to look at them and then suddenly like, wow, like I, I had, this is amazing what's been sitting there in front of me all this time. Because I think that's one of the really beautiful things about, about this book is that you're offering that to the readers. Yeah, there's, a, there's a few that really stand out to me. One is physician. Uh, the, it comes up, Jesus actually calls himself that, refers to himself as a physician. And it's after he calls St. Matthew himself and from the tax collector's table, and has him follow, says, come and follow me, and Matthew does. But then he has dinner with the tax collectors and the sinners. And the Pharisees are upset about this. Look at him. Who is he? He has dinner with these sinners. Doesn't he know who they are? And our Lord says, it's, not, it's, it's the sick who need a physician. And so, he calls himself a physician. That was a very favorite title in the early church for, for Jesus, the divine physician. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a great view of him. And there's a number of things I like about it is, first of all, we're all sick with sin, every single one of us. We need a physician to cure us. I also like just that imagery. When you go to the doctor and you have something uh, wrong with you, two things. First of all, you just tell them what's wrong with you. You don't really make, you have no reason to make excuses for it. Just it is what it is. I, I have a cold or, or whatever the case may be. I, and it may not cold you a doctor for, but you know, I broke my arm, whatever. The doctor doesn't care why, how you broke it. He's just like, okay, you got a broken arm. I got to mm-hmm. fix it. And the other thing is the, the, the doctor, when he looks at it, he's focused on healing you. He's not focused. I mean, 
What he cares about is healing you. And that's all that matters, a good doctor at least. And so ultimately, what he has to do to heal you might be painful, might be surgery, something like that, might be something painful, maybe some medicine you don't really want to take, whatever the case may be. But ultimately, it's about healing you. And that's really what Jesus is. We are sick with sin, and his focus is curing us of that sickness. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it's, and that's really the, the main focus. So we need to look at ourselves as these sick sinners that need a physician. So that's one that stood out to me. Another one was kind of funny. I almost didn't even, didn't even put it in the book because it's so like odd, but I was like, I'm going to put it in there. It's ghost. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and there is where the disciples are on the boat and in yes. the night, and Jesus comes walking on the water to them. They say, look, it's a ghost. And obviously, it's a mistaken impression of him. He's mm-hmm. not a ghost. But it's understandable. I mean, they're afraid. Mm-hmm. And I really thought there's something there to that. I mean, that's not just it, how we misperceive Jesus sometimes is as important as how right. we perceive him. Right. Because it tells us something about us. Because they were afraid, and they were, and their first thought was to go to something horrible, a ghost. But the thing is, in their, in their fear, Jesus was there with them. He, he was there, and he and he and, and in our fears, then when we're terrified, we know Jesus isn't a ghost. He's not just some imaginary creature or something that can't help us. He's really there for us, mm. and he can help us, just like the real Jesus did to the apostles. The real Jesus can help us. So, I kind of like that one because it was so. I mean, I think most people when they see that title, that chapter child ghost, are like, wait, what? But I think that's a great way to get people to understand the scriptures a little better understand Jesus a little better. And then I will say my my favorite title is actually just his name, Jesus. That's the final chapter. This is an, uh, something I've, I've noticed one time. I actually wrote an article for Catholic Answers about this once. And that is that in general, Protestants love saying the name Jesus. Mm-hmm. Catholics have a, a little more reticence. We often call him Christ or our Lord or something like that. Uh, instead of actually saying the name Jesus. And I think there's a good reason for that, because there's a certain respect for it. It's almost like the Jews not saying Yahweh. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that. There's a certain, this is such a holy name that we almost don't even want to say it. But I think ultimately the name Jesus is so beautiful because that is the name of our Savior. It is the name of God. I mean, it really is, there is no more beautiful name in the world than Jesus. And there's great devotions to that, to the holy name of Jesus. We even have a feast day for the holy name uh, today. But in the Middle Ages, particularly, there grew this devotion to the holy name of Jesus. So ultimately, there's all these titles given to him. And son, a lot of variations of son is obviously very innate to who he is, because he is the eternal son of God. But I feel like Jesus, that if any of the titles, the names given to him encapsulates who he is, it's Jesus. God saves. And so I really feel like that that's that is my favorite because it's the most beautiful name in the world. We're talking with Eric Sammons about his latest book, Who Do You Say I Am? Unlocking the 24 titles given to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, in part one, which is has the subtitle Incomplete Perceptions, you start with man. And you talk about in Revelation where the four creatures of lion and ox and eagle and man and the representation of the four gospels. Talk a little bit about that. Why is this the beginning? Why does this why does this kick off the names? Because I know that you don't you're you're intentional about how you structure your books and how right. you present them and how you break them break them down. So 
Yeah, what's the what's the yeah, reason behind that? Yeah. So that first section, part one, is incomplete perceptions, is where I title it. And the first chapter is man, then it goes in the rabbi, ghost, carpenter, son. But I wanted to start with man because <clears throat> Jesus uh, obviously is both uh, God and man. As Catholics, we believe that it's one divine person with two natures, a human nature and a, and a divine nature. And so he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And I think there's a, a couple things I, I really think we need to remember when we're talking about Jesus. There's two temptations. The one temptation is probably more common among most people today of looking at him as just a man, mm-hmm. that he's yes. only a man and he was a great teacher. Maybe he was a 1960s hippie, you know, or something like that, you know, <laughs> tolerant and whatever. And, and that's all he is. And that is a tendency that a lot of people have today who are maybe not practicing the faith as much, maybe they're outside the church. And so we have to, but we have to ward that off. He's not just a man. He is the divine savior. He is literally everything. But then the other temptation is to, and I think this is the temptation for more practicing, maybe Orthodox Catholics, is to look at him as just God. And the fact is, though, he really did become a man. Mm -hmm. He became a man just like us in all things but sin. And so I wanted to start off with that because the whole point of the book is we're looking at how, in most cases, what other people are calling him. And so how are they, and they thought he was a man. Remember that, that everybody he interacted with, at least at first. Sure. Maybe not our blessed mother, but they, they 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 thought he was just a man and nothing else. Right. Because when you first meet him, it wasn't like immediately like, oh, okay, this guy is the God man or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they came to realize that the apostles and, and others realized that. But I think though, we have to I wanted to make sure that in reading the book, we're trying to put ourselves in the shoes, in one sense, of the people who are calling them these things. And in the Gospel of Matthew, you have various ways in which he's called man, like what sort of man is this and things like that. And so this idea that it, it was over time, and that's what the book does, it builds up the titles more as as from the, the lowest to kind of the greatest, because mm-hmm. that's exactly what went through the apostles' head. Hmm. Because when they first met him, they might have thought, okay, this guy seems like a, a, a good teacher, somebody that, that seems pretty good. Then maybe they thought... He seems like a little bit more now. I want to follow him. And then like, he might be the Messiah. Yeah. But then they realize wow, he's even more than Messiah. <laughs> I mean, right. and, that, and so it was like this growth of understanding of who he was is something each of us has to go through. And so that's what I'm trying to do in the book is kind of go through that from incomplete all the way up to he is the son of God. Who do we have coming up next week? Well, uh, following the one and only Eric Sammons. Uh, who a uh, guest who is actually mentioned by Eric Sammons in our conversation, none other than Dr. Scott Hahn. Uh, we're going to be talking to Scott Hahn about uh, his newest book, which is Holy Is His Name, a meditation and study on holiness, what it is and how it affects us in the Christian life. It's going to be, well, it's Scott Hahn, so it's going to be pretty great. You should be there. In the meantime... Please subscribe to the podcast so that you get new episodes as they drop. And as always, thanks for being part of the Catholic Conversation. Remember, the church has what the world needs. So learn your faith, live your faith, and share your faith. Well, now that we have our framework heading into Holy Week, I think we can continue our own Catholic Conversation. That is the Catholic Conversation on our podcast central section at EWTNRadio.net. I'm Ace McKay, and as we take a quick break, we're going to let you know that just a guy in the pew, you know how that feels? Well, we all know what it feels like to be broken. How can we use the brokenness of Christ's own body 
to admit that, and then how we can reflect on our own inner resurrection and how our past does not define us anymore. We'll get to that coming up next on Catholics Coast to Coast. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here across the table from me is right. my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. That's right. we got to change the directional, I guess, introduction. That's yeah, right. Ever right. since we moved out of the old uh, corner booth at the Catholic Cafe, right. you used to be to my left. Right. And I keep saying that, even though you're sitting directly across from me, so anybody watching is probably like, man, he needs glasses or <laughs> right, a better like, sense of direction. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So it's old school directions. And yeah, know, like yeah. to the left of you is Jesus on the crucifix right. and wood. Right. That's not Victor. <laughs> Well, man, what's up? How are you feeling? Well, I'm, I'm better. Um, this weekend, we, you know, with St. Patrick's Day, yeah, and of course, Ella, who's my youngest, uh, has really thrown herself into like the Irish dancing. So, oh, yeah, we, you yeah. know, we did a trip to Disney World, went to like Raglan Road, I think is like a, a restaurant, English, like a pub, Irish pub, in Disney World, and she really was like interested interested in the dancing that was going on there. And she says, "I want to dance. I want to learn how to do that." So it was all her, and we see so we did the research, and sure. so for for a year now, she's been learning how to do all the Irish dances and stuff, dance and stuff yeah. And that, yeah. So she's, I mean, she loves it, and you know, she has a whole. They had that whole dressed up in like the, you know, the dress with the sash and then the hair all you know curled and stuff. Yeah, well, she's the, got the red hair, so right? That right. So she <laughs> she I mean plays the part perfectly, but but anyways, we, they did they went around like to Collierville to Memphis and all all the like retirement homes to perform in front of the, the seniors. Um, sure. And then at the end of it at uh, Celtic Crossing, which is like a big kind of Irish pub here in Memphis, yeah, and so Midtown, yeah. a lot of people were there and, and watched them dance and you know got in the mood, the spirit of the the Catholics, you know, St. Patrick's, you know, uh, sure. holiday, I guess you'd say, yeah. Well, it was, yeah, and we were up at the fish fry at, at the parish yeah. cooking fish. I mean, we the bishop gave a dispensation here locally that, you know, if you wanted to have meat on Friday to celebrate, if you're Irish or something, or someone who just right. wanted to, you know, celebrate in the feast day in that way, you could as long as you, you know, fasted another day from meat. So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have the biggest crowd in the world, but uh, right. it didn't have any green beer. Um, I think Angela partook in a little bit of Jameson and, uh, you know, but it was a good day. I wore my green, didn't get pinched any, but, right. but no, it was a, you know, it was a, uh, I always loved the holiday. It was weird at falling on a Friday of Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it does that every seven years. Right. And March, <laughs> March Madness too going yeah, on. Yeah. So, so there's a like, lot of yeah. crazy stuff going on this weekend, right. but man, I'm glad to be back in here. You know, it's, this is my first weekend home in a while. Yeah. Um, you know, the last three weekends we had been in. Uh, gosh, I think Conway, Arkansas, and then Phoenix, and then the West Coast. Uh, yeah, out yeah. In, in in Oregon City, Oregon. That was a great time. I enjoyed being with those 
those those folks out there just you know so glad to be out there and, and working and starting another group uh the lord continues to lead us into that victor you know we've we've got stuff on the schedule for april and june and july all the way through mm-hmm. september now of either going and doing follow-ups to men's conferences where you know those are for the purpose of of, of helping guys raise their hand and say, yes, I want something in my parish, and then us going into those parishes and helping them, or just going to parishes that have heard about what we've been doing. You know, we've gotten a lot of calls, and this is very flattering. You know, we're getting calls now where people are saying, we want men's ministry in our parish, or we want something like you're describing, a place for men to be real and authentic in our in our parish, and, and we hear you're the guy to call. And mm-hmm. it's so humbling to hear that, you know, that uh, that people are starting to look at us that way of, hey, we can go in there and help them do something. And it just means – the Lord's doing a great work through our yes, and and what we're building is lasting, and that's the thing that's that's uh, that struggle with men's ministry is guys get things started, but oftentimes it's one guy doing it. Um, you know, they're showing up and, and putting on a video, and it mm-hmm. just kind of festers out. You know, what we're really doing is going and teaching the structure and the leadership model, which a lot of ministries don't really do. We a lot of us have DVD sets and things like that to use in groups. But nobody spends a lot of time on how to actually build a group, structure a group, find people who want to lead a group, get people bought in on the vision, and then help them get it launched. And that's what we've been doing, man. And so been going the last three weekends doing that. If you're interested in that, uh, you know, for us to come to your parish, for me to come and do that mission, and which is for men and women, and then start and implement a group there in your parish, you can find out more about that or sign up, sign up to speak with me at justagonthepew.com. There's an events and book me page. You can go there and certainly – uh, sign up on the form there, and I'll call you. Lucy will get in touch with you. But either way, we'd just be overjoyed to sit down and talk with you for a few minutes about how we could help in your parish. Uh, but, Victor, it's been nice to be home. You know, I, I love being on the road and working for God, but, man, it's nice mm-hmm. to be home too. And this was the first weekend I was home. And, um, you know, so it was good to be here. Uh, the other thing I want to mention too is is the pilgrimage. Man, we're getting closer and closer. We're Really, uh, right at almost two months away. Tomorrow, I guess, would be actually we're under two months away because yeah. we would be coming back tomorrow if we were two months away. So we're going to the Holy Land, Father Larry Richards and I. Uh, we are leaving on May the tenth, and we'll be back on the twenty-first. It's a twelve-day pilgrimage. Uh, I'm super excited about it. We have about ten spots left. So if you've been on the fence about going, you need to sign up because they're going quickly every day. Father just sent out an email. We're posting things, and we're getting people signing up every day. But we've got about 10 spots left, and we'd love for you to join us. I am so excited. I was talking to Angela about it. We can't wait to get on that plane and get over there and just start walking the footsteps of our Lord. We can't meet, wait to meet the people that are going. And if you're someone who's considering going with us, we can't wait, mate, blah, we can't wait to meet you. Right, we can't wait to just spend you're so, twelve. You're days so excited, you're just you're, yeah, yeah can't get right. words right. That's right. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of people taking pilgrimages over there right now. There's a couple local priests and some other people I know, and so I've seen their pictures and their videos, and I'm just excited to go experience that myself with all of the people that are going with us. So, if you want to sign up, if you want to take one of these last ten spots, go to justagathepew.com. Go to our book me page. Right there in the middle of the page, you'll see the pilgrimage. You can click on it. It'll take you to our. Uh, trusted pilgrimage partners uh, select international travel page go there and then you can sign up you can register you can call them with any questions you have but we would love for you to come with us Uh, we're going to have a great time I I promise you I'm going to make sure and do everything in my power to make sure you enjoy it and that you learn the most that you can there with our wonderful guides but also feel like you have the trip of a lifetime and that's what's important to Father Larry and I is that you feel that way when you come back so that maybe you'll want to travel with us again 
but that you have some of the best memories and you come back transformed by walking in the footsteps of Christ. So if you're on the fence, get off the fence. Come and join us. Take one of the last 10 spots. We've got some room left. You can sign up by going to justaguyinthepew.com and checking that out. Finally, I want to thank all the folks who have been donating. It seems like every week or every other day, people are starting to give 25 bucks here, $100 a month here. You know, I'm going and sitting with people locally here. They're helping us at our mission, Victor. And it just, it's been awesome because people are seeing what we're doing. They're seeing the work that's being accomplished through uh, the ministry, and they want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. People know that men have simply abdicated the faith, that men aren't stepping up in the faith the way that we're called to, to be the spiritual leaders of our family and of our churches. And so they want to be a part of the solution. And, you know, I tell people a lot, you know, you say, well, how can I help? Well, if you have means, give. You know, God doesn't need every single one of us out there doing the same job, right? But if there's people already out there that are doing it effectively, then he does call people to support it. And so that's the way a lot of people can help is to, to, if you've been blessed, if you, if you've got some, some funds that you could share, you could be a part of this mission. It's not just Victor Zahn's mission. When you give money, you become a part of it and you become a part of the solution and in a part of the fight in fighting to bring men back to the faith. So we invite you to consider that. If you want to give, you can go to donorbox.org slash pew, or you can simply go to just a guy on the pew.com and click donate. All of it goes to support the efforts of what we're doing in the ministry and also helps us grow and hire more people to accomplish the things that God has put in front of us. So for all of you that have given and continue to give monthly, thank you. That's what we need is those monthly donations. So we know what we have coming in and we know what we have to work with. So thank you if you've done that on your own. If it's on your heart now to give, please continue to pray about it. I will you know, just straight, straight up ask you to, to give if you would like to and you feel called to. Um, every bit of it goes to help us uh, you know, bring people into this loving relationship and knowledge of our risen Lord that brings them into wholeness and into a new life with him. And that's what we want to help people do is realize they're not the sum of their sins and their shame, but the sum of God's love for them. So, Victor, that brings us into a good segue of what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, in my travels, especially in the last three weeks, it's just been constant. Um, and when we're going and giving these missions, it's all about identity. It's all about coming into the knowledge that you're not the sum of your sins and the sum of your shame and all of that, that you're the sum of God's love for you. And on every one of these missions, you know, I'll get through one of the talks, whether it's my conversion story or or the you the, the – uh, uh, identity talk or whether mm-hmm. it's it, it's the final one on the relationship with Jesus, there's always so many people that come up to the table where the merchandise is and they just spend the first couple minutes there talking about how it's affecting them. And I'm not sharing this to say, look at me and what I'm doing. It's just the message is hitting home. There's so many people out there that are just stuck in their brokenness. And, you know, the last one I was in in Oregon, this guy came up with his family and he just, he looked at me and he looked like he longed to say something. And he just shook my hand and tears welled up in his eyes. And he said, I'll never forget this day. And I said, well, would you like to talk? And he said, I, I can't right now. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to say. He said, I, I would love to shoot you an email sometime. And he took a card and I hope he does that. I hope he's listening now and he hears me and he does that. You know, another guy walked up and he shook my hand and he said, please don't ever forget to pray for me, brother. Everything you've said today is exactly what I need to hear in my life. And please pray for me. Gave me his name and his number and all that stuff. Um, several women have come up and, and said, please pray for my son, my daughter, my husband, my, my uncle, my, my father. There's just this great brokenness that we all feel in our lives at one time or another. And, and unfortunately, so many of us sit in that. Um, even coming home in the last few, few days of this past week, people that I know and love, people that are in our family, people that 
are, are in our circle, you know, that are up at these fish fries or up at church events with us. It just seems like the Lord is is putting me in situations where people are coming up and just saying, do you have a few minutes? Mm-hmm. And I sit down and, and people are just pouring out through their tears and through their cracked voices and through their the shaking and the trembling of their hands, just this prison cell that they've been locked in, man, of their own brokenness. And and the thing is, you know, Victor, I, I was sitting down and, and I'd been kind of racking my brain about what to talk about. And so often I worry that we're talking about the same things too much. But honestly, Victor, I think it's because that's what the Lord wants us to talk about, right? Why go talk about all these other things when there's so many people that aren't even in the spot to be able to receive those things because they can't get past their own brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so as I was thinking about, well, it's Lent, let's do something on forgiveness or Lent, let's do something on loving well, and maybe those will be the next shows we do. The Lord just hit me in the face a couple times in the last couple weeks about how so many people are stuck in this place of like their sins of their past, right? The sins that that are haunting them, the the torture I see. Like I literally sat with a guy Friday at a table for an hour and just watched him break down and just cry and, and just shake and 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 lament over the fact that he couldn't get out of this place he's been in. And it's things that happened in his life 30 years ago, 20 years ago, yet they're still tormenting him. And so Victor today I just I want to talk about brokenness. And and the title of this show is You're Broken. Mm-hmm. Now let's move past it. Because I, I think that sometimes we have to receive all these things in love, but we also have to, to, to witness the truth well, too. And when people are opening up this stuff, we can't allow people to just sit in that. Like, we have to preach this truth. And this, the truth is, God broke himself. Jesus broke himself on the crucifix so that we could be healed, right? On the cross, I mean. The crucifix was something that came later, obviously. The, the design of all of that and what we look to as Catholics to remind us of what's been done for us. But Jesus came down here and broke his body, gave everything so that we could be restored, so that we could be healed. And we have to we have to lean into that. But but so often in our lives, Victor, when we're convicted and we've been listening to the wrong voice in our life, we lean the other way back into the mistakes that we've made and we allow that to become who we are and to pile on us so greatly and so heavily so heavily that we can't dig our way out. We don't see that there's a way out. So today, I just there's not a lot of notes. There's not a lot of things here. But when I read the the gospel readings and the in the in the readings of of this Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent, we're doing the show right after church today, where you were and I were our lector today. These readings spoke exactly into that, right mm-hmm. from the from the first part of of Samuel going and calling, um, you know, looking for the king and. And God is telling him, you know, Samuel's showing up and saying, that's got to be him, that's got to be him. And it's God saying, no, like, you see as man sees. You're looking at the exterior, but God sees the heart. And that's the thing is so many of us, Victor, we build up these facades and these masks, and we we build up these malls, it's, uh, these walls. It's almost like we're mudding ourselves into this, this prison cell where people can't really see the real us. We paint the outside of what we want people to see. And, and so many of these people I've talked to lately are, are from the outside looking in are great practicing Catholics. They're showing up and they're doing everything and they're praying the rosary and they're going to holy hours and they're at mass and they're doing all these things we're asked to do. But man, they, they'll choose somebody like it's just been me lately to open up to. And, and the Lord sees their heart and he's allowing this stuff to fester there so that they come out of that place to, to, to cry for help. And that's what we're supposed to be here for is to cry for help. And the second reading in Ephesians, Victor, even goes into like you were once darkness, 
But now you are light, and the Lord live as children of the light, is what it's saying. For light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. And it says, take no part in the fruitless works of darkness anymore, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. I mean, when I read that in light of where the the situation the Lord's been putting me in for other people lately, I thought this is exactly what we're supposed to be talking about today is this brokenness and how we have to come out of it. Like, yes, okay, you're broken. Admit it. But now it's time to move past it and not let that be who we are anymore. You're talking about the amazingness of the love of God. You know, um, the Holy Spirit has so many gifts, and he, and he desires all of us to be close to him as well as the Father and to the Son, which is Jesus Christ. And I think for people to open up, to be vulnerable, is a gift of the Holy Spirit because then it allows you or that person to be able to be honest with themselves and to be honest with others that I am hurting I, I need I need aid. I need assistance. I need something more than I can provide for myself. And the attentiveness of the body of Christ, now we are all supposed to take care of our brothers and sisters. So when we see a fellow brother or sister that is in pain, who is hurting, who needs time to be present with us, just listen. You know, be be present with them. And and just by being present with them, you're showing love. You're showing support. But also what you're doing, you're providing aid to assess what they might need to do. You know, I can help you. I can pray for you. I can do this. Have you seen the priest? Have you gone to confession? You know, give them that 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 aid of, like, support and say, you know, I can help you. Whatever you need me to do, I'll help you with. And that's 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 a gift we can bring every day to someone when we're attentive as, as the body of Christ. And being attentive to the present moment. Right. I mean, I, you know, one of the guys I spoke to lately, he actually stopped me after Mass a few weeks ago and asked me if I would be at some events at the church. And I said, no, I'm traveling. And then he said, well, when you get back, I'd like to talk to you. And we did. We sat down and we talked. And I'm not going to share names or what he talked about. But this man is somebody I respect. He's he's an older guy. And, and you know, he's been active in the church and taught RCIA at one time and all these things. And, and uh, you know, at, at different times of his life, but when we sat down, it just within seconds, you know, tears welled up. And he started to pour out all these things that he had done wrong in his life. And some of them were really wrong things, really bad things. But Victor, like our brokenness, you know, as he was telling me this, it was almost as like as, as he was explaining why he was disqualified, right? Why why he, he shouldn't be loved, why he wasn't worthy of love and all those things. And that's the way brokenness always comes out. We feel this great pain and this sorrow and this – regret for the things that we've done and we feel dirty and we feel shameful and rejected and broken and so many people i know that are listening to the show right now are feeling that way i mean it's lent and this is part of why we go through lent is it's a penitential season like the lord starts to allow these things to well up in us because we're supposed to be marching towards christ christ goes through all this suffering for us why so that we don't have to continue to suffer on our own and Yet when we feel all this shame, this regret, and this hurt, and this darkness, and this just disgust with ourselves, we start kind of digging in our own grave and, and, and almost filling the dirt in around ourselves and burying ourselves, burying ourselves because we feel like th- that's all that is left to do is for us just to sit here in, in torment and in torture until we die. But the thing about our brokenness and our wounds 
is that God allows those things to hurt and fester for a reason, not so that we're convicted you know, further of our shame and our guilt and that we're supposed to feel even more broken than we are. It's so that he's shining light into those areas, right? It's just like if you cut your arm very badly or you break your arm or, or, or there's some sort of rash or something on you, something that draws attention to that, to that spot. Ow, this hurts. You know, that, that throbbing of a broken bone. Something is wrong here. I need to go see someone about this, right? There needs to be attention brought to this. In that same light with our physical wounds, God allows that, that shame and that brokenness. He doesn't cause it. He allows it so that we draw attention to those spots within us that need his attention, right? This, this, our, we've got to start look, stop looking at our brokenness as this like, oh, I'm just disqualified. And no, this is a, a red blinking light, a yellow caution light that something's wrong in our life and that God is trying to draw not only our attention to it, but, but you know, someone else's attention to it that can help us come out of it. And, you know, this is the thing, like, this is why we know we need healing with these things that are so broken and and this man was pouring all this stuff out, and he said, and I'm doing what I know to do. I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm doing all these things. But it's like, yeah, and you're trying to do it on your own. But God is the one that has to do the healing. We cannot heal ourselves. Right. I don't care how how much, how many how many pull-ups you do or how many bench presses you do or, or how many times you're trying to pull yourself out of a situation. Oftentimes, we can't get ourselves out. It's like being in quicksand, and every time we try to move, we sink further. Right, because we don't have someone giving us a lifeline, and God has given us so many lifelines in the sacraments. But yet, when we feel so disgusted with ourselves, those are the first things we turn away from. I asked this man, I said, "Have you been to confession?" And he said, "No." And he said, "I said why?" And he goes, and he starts telling me all the reasons why he didn't feel worthy to go. And he said, "And I just, I just feel like God's so ashamed of me, and God's just, He can't love me, and God doesn't want anything to do with me. And if He did, He would really help me." And I'm going. But are you really asking for help? Or are you still just wallowing around in this in, in this pain? That's why I said, you're broken. It's time to move on, right? It's time to move past it. Yes, we're all broken. But God didn't come to this earth and break his body so we would stay in the position of lamenting over how messed up we are. No, he came to be a light that calls us out of that. And, and here's the thing, Victor. I told him, I said, you know, brother, I'll just say that, brother instead of his name, what what is what do you think God is sees in you that He doesn't want any part of? But He goes, well, all this that I've done, all this and that. I said, as Catholics, we believe there's a plan for our life, right? And He goes, yeah, the plan of salvation that we're supposed to take a part in. And I go, yeah. And so, if God knew there was a plan for your life, then guess what? Before He loved you into existence, He knew everything you were ever going to do, all these things that you're disgusted by. He knew you were going to do before you ever were were born. And he and guess what? If if that's the case, and you were born, then he knew about it, and he created you anyway, right? He allowed you to exist anyway. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you that he's not concerned with the things that you've done wrong? He's only concerned with the things that you can get right in your life, and that that you can get right enough to go and to be a light and a beacon to someone else to reach back in the same muck you're in and pull yourselves out of. It's just like in the gospel when he says to. To um, to Peter and the apostles, he says, the devil has asked for every one of you. He's asked to sift every one of you like wheat. And when he's done with you, you then have to step up and turn back to your brothers and pull them along. That's what he says, paraphrased to Peter. The devil has asked to, to sift you like wheat, right? And that's what this brokenness and the shame and this, 
this this merciless torture we allow ourselves to go through, the devil is just sifting you like wheat, trying to convince you that there's no purpose for you and that there's no goodness in you and that God can't love you. But at some point, you're sifted so hard that the only thing left to do is turn to God and realize that, you know what, he loved you in spite of it. He loved you enough to come down here and be broken, physically broken, so that you don't have to stay in that place anymore. And Victor, we allow ourselves to be in this prison cell, and the thing is, the only one that keeps us there is us. We become our own jury and judge and executioner. The only person that has a key to that cell is us. Mm -hmm. God is on the other side of that jail cell, and he's done everything he can do. He sent Jesus to die for you and, and to bring you back into the Holy Family so that you will repent of your sins and turn to him. But the only one that can actually stick that key in that door and turn it and open it is us. But it's only if we start believing the truth that God loves us and that we're worthy of his love, not because of anything that we've done, but because he says so. That's the only time in our life that things can get better. And then in that moment when we start to believe that, we can start to reach out for the branches that he's leaving over in that prison cell in that quicksand we put ourselves in to pull us out of it. But, Victor, so many of us, we get stuck in that part where I'm not good enough, and we play that record again and again and again in our head until we're so broken and we're so beaten down that we believe there's no hope for us. Well, we, we need to look at the word unworthiness as like a spiritual disease. If we see that it is a spiritual disease, and it the, the concept of the disease is to keep us from him, not God keeping us from him, but the enemy keeping us from getting to closer to God, okay? That's what that I'm talking about. So when we identify unworthiness being a main feeling or main concern in our life, in our prayer life, we have to look at it and say, where is this coming from? I know that I am loved by God. Like you were saying, he created us for a purpose. He created us out of love. Therefore, there's love there between us always there. You know. So when we know that we are loved, we know that, that the unworthiness is a lie from the enemy, then we have to kind of understand that there are things that we need to do Pray, seek help, and grow from where we are. So, Victor, let's let's close this out in prayer, brother. And Jesus, I thank you for what you've done. Father, I thank you for the show. I thank you for the ministry. I thank you for everything that you're pouring out through our tears and through our willingness to be vulnerable. And, Lord, I would ask that everyone here that hears this prayer just takes it to heart and, 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 and finds the courage to get out of the muck, to pull themselves out of the quicksand, to reach up for your hand of mercy and to grasp it and to never let go and to meet you in that confessional so that you could pour out your mercy upon them like you never have before, like they never have received before in their lives, Lord. I pray this and everything else and all the needs of those who are listening, and I pray it at your feet in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com. Great reflections as we head into Holy Week and Palm Sunday, always something that helps to jumpstart us deeper into our Catholic faith and our walk with God. I'm Ace McCain. Thanks for keeping me company this week. Remember, these and any and all podcasts that we have at Podcast Central, easy and always available to find, to download and stream anytime, anywhere. Just visit us at EWTNRadio.net, and next week we'll spotlight more of your favorite shows and episodes. In the meantime, remember to let God define who you are, and I'll see you next week on Catholics Coast to Coast.